0: Scene 2012 on radio.org.au. Reaching Gen Y with Steve Kewis. Steve is the director of the Youth Mission Team Australia at YMT and has 25 years of youth ministry experience. YMT runs high school retreats and weekends for youth based on peer to peer evangelisation. Operating for 27 years, there are four teams in operation around Australia made up of young men and women. Age 18 to 30 he volunteered to join a team for one year. This talk was recorded in a collaboration between Cradio.org.au and xt3.com Thank you Molly. G'day everyone. Thanks. How are we going? It's great. it's great to have you here. It's really, really great to have you here. And uh, thank you for coming here. It's pretty tough on a Saturday afternoon so to be alert to be switched on for workshops, so thank you. Uh, as Emily said, uh, my name is Stephen Toohey, I'm the National Director for uh, Youth Mission Team Australia. And uh, as Emily said, we've, we've got teams in a few parts of Australia, but our, our longest serving team is actually here in Sydney. So I'm, uh, I now work full-time out of the national office, uh, which is based in Wollongong, which if you don't know most nice, you can probably know Wollongong, about now, it's about an hour out of Sydney. Um, and we have, have a, a national office and training centre in Wollongong. And it's the Sydney team are based in the Hills District, uh, who are serving Sydney schools throughout the Sydney Archdiocese, um, Parramatta, Brogan Bay, and also the country world, in some of the regional dioceses around New South Wales, but predominantly uh, based in, uh, in Sydney. Uh, just on a personal note, uh, I'm married to a beautiful girl named Jenny. She's about uh, 20 about tall, and she's just lovely. She's really great. And we have four kids, uh, our kids are, um, we have a daughter Beth, there's Beth, Andrew, Luke and Matthew, although Andrew's about there now, they're, they're 16, four, uh, 16, 15, uh, 12 and 10. Uh, so I live with my family, as you would, uh, in <laughs> Wollongong, in Coromal, but I work full-time in Wollongong, but I work full-time I was born and brought, uh, raised in Sydney, went to uh, the schools at Mars, Pennhurst, and Cobra, if you know Sydney, I'm in team straight from school. Uh, I had plans at that stage to go into physiotherapy uh, and got, had a, an, an alternative plan, which uh, was a great alternative plan, and I went mean, into full-time youth ministry with the team back then as a volunteer for two years and then came on staff, and they haven't got rid of me since then. So um, I had done a, a, an education degree along the way, um, but essentially YMC and their work uh, is, uh, is my full-time occupation and, and focus uh, beyond the mission with my family, obviously. Uh, Emily just gave you a brief amount of background in regard to what Youth Mission Team is about. Uh, I know some of you have had contact with the COS team, the NET team, and uh, possibly the, uh, the Futures <laughs> and uh, the CYM team out of Canberra. So um, very it's a very similar uh, model of youth ministry. Youth Mission Team commenced in 1986. So it was actually the very first ministry of this kind back then. Thank uh, Thank you. Back then. <coughs> <laughs> there, were, there were retreat teams working in schools in Sydney and other cities, but they were predominantly religious based teams, usually teams of one or two. Uh, they were beautiful teams. Uh, I experienced those when I was in school myself, but, um, but predominantly consecrated people, brothers or nuns, um, sometimes priests. So, this was a fairly new initiative to have teams of young uh, lay men and women uh, working uh, in full time ministry to talk about mission. To talk about evangelisation. Uh, at that stage, the Holy Father hadn't, JP2 hadn't coined the phrase the new evangelisation, but that was to come in the following few years. Um, it was the first ministry of that kind, of this kind, of that con- you kind, know, to commence here. Um, the teams, again, Emily just touched on this. The main, main mission is to uh, to work with unchurched young people in, uh, in semi secondary schools right around the country. So. Even though we're a Catholic mission team working in a Catholic context, uh, Catholic school retreats, um, as you guys would, be, would know, uh, if you've come through Catholic schooling, about 2% now, we used to quote 4%, that was a bit generous, now about 2% of senior Catholic school students uh, attend Mass regularly. So out of a year group of 200, for example, um, or 100 because my maths isn't that good, maybe 2. <laughs> so that would probably mean a year group of 4.0. Of, 200 about four young people attending, uh, attending mass regularly. So there's a massive... So even though we're working in a Catholic context with a Catholic Christian mandate to share the Gospel, uh, we're working with young people who essentially are unchurched. And their only connection with the Gospel, with the Church, with, with God, is through their Catholic education. So it's such a privileged uh, mission field to be a part of um, so that's sort of the, one of the key focuses of our work, running reflection days and overnight retreats. We work with about 16,000 students each year. And then the second dimension of our work is equally as important, uh, which is the follower. And we uh, offer a, a network of up that we talk about, we refer to as the Stand generation, which is just a network of, of uh, events and uh, support for young people that we meet in the schools so who want to plug into something in an ongoing way. And it's sort of a it's a it's a pathway for young people to be formed in their faith, uh, to uh, to form solid committed Christian relationships, and to really develop their um, their faith formation or develop in their faith formation, but also beyond that, you know, their own leadership capacity and their ability to actively be involved in the church. For you. No, no, Thank you. so that's a little bit about the team and our work uh, the, the team members live. it is a 12 month commitment, they defer university or career for 12 months and uh, come on board, uh, give up being single I mean now they they give up, they, they are committed to being single for the year uh, even like those late people so I, I didn't mess, mess that up at the start of the year did I? <laughs> um, I didn't explain it correctly. So we are committed to being single for the year. Uh, well, the team are committed to being single for the year, um, you know, leaving home, doing your households, and, and, and living a really committed lifestyle uh, together um, as, a, as the foundation of our work <coughs> and the So if I may, i am just invite each of the teams to come forward one at a time and just give you a quick intro uh, just so you know who you're working with today. Oh, don't Hi, So, I'm Michael, I'm 23 years old, I'm from Sydney, um, I'm the middle of three children and last year I finished my university degree, I studied a Bachelor of Music at the Conservatorium which is a music school in the city. Um, so I finished that last year, loved it, I played the flute and um, when I'm not like listening to music, playing music, I also love getting outside, playing soccer, um, mm-hmm. running around, reading books, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, Thank that's you. good about me. Thank you. <laughs> Hello. Hello, my name is Sarah. I am 20 years old and I move a lot, so I'm going to try and stand really still. Uh, I'm 20 years old, I'm originally from Melbourne. And Yay. I. Yeah, Yay, Melbourne! Woo. Yay! There's someone! <laughs> uh, originally from Melbourne. I have done. I, I normally say hairdress- hairdressing degree, but it's not a degree certificate oh, in hairdressing. Yeah. Uh, and stop that team this year, and then hopefully primary school teaching next year. Um, yeah. um, and I like jumping. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, um, my name's Marianne. I'm 19 years old now, and I'm from Perth. So, um, yeah, apparently everyone in Sydney thinks Perth. People are really wild. So um, I'm not, not sure why that is, but I do love doing wild things. I love climbing trees and like rolling down hills and just anything like that. Um, yeah, I finished school. I've been out of school about a year. And last year I did a Cert for of Youth Ministry at Bible College. And after team, hopefully I'm going to go back to Perth and study psychology. And I love playing music and hiking and a lot of other things. Hi everyone, my name is Breen. I'm originally from Canberra. Woo, (laughs) Canberra! And um, I was studying medical science before I came and did team. This is my second year and I'm actually leading the team up here in Sydney. It's the best job in the the entire world. I'm so in love with my team, so in love with Jesus, everyone's just happy. Um, So um, I play the cello, which is like the big upside down violin. Yeah! No, my sister plays. Oh, close <laughs> um, And I, I love music, love playing the guitar. Um, and I can do a Rubik's Cube in 1 minute and 27 seconds. Wow. <laughs> Hi everyone, um, my name's Evie. Well, actually my name's Evelyn, but I've been coined Evie for the last 4 or 5 years. Um, I'm the Ministry Coordinator in Sydney. Um, I take care of I Stand Generation, which is really cool, um, up in Sydney. I did three years of volunteer work with the team, so I did two years in Melbourne and one year in Sydney. Um, I loved it so much that I ended up um, coming back into this role. I'm a chef by trade, so I love my food. I've worked in some of the best restaurants in Sydney, and I am going to continue loving food, continue loving people, and continue loving God. Yeah. Hello, Um, my name's Claudia, I'm from Sydney, I'm 20, and last year I was doing a law degree at the University of Notre Dame. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, Yeah, aside from that, uni's pretty exciting, so that's the most exciting thing about me. Other than that, I love coffee. My whole team knows I love coffee. We just went to the Toby's Estate Cafe down in Oh, so good. I look pretty calm, but inside I'm like, right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hi everyone, I'm Nick. (laughs) some of you know me I'm, I'm 18 and despite being the tallest I am the baby of the team um, I love cricket I finished high school last year I want to do psychology but I'm not too sure planning on going to Notre Dame next year yeah. but yeah just I don't know Love people love cricket I <laughs> <You know, so. laughs> have realized if you read the uh, the, smos- the brief for the afternoon's workshop it yeah. The focus of the workshop is in regard to uh, reaching generation wide with the message of the gospel in this current, at that current time, uh, and the, the little brief uh, ask the, poses the question, uh, are there new strategies that are needed to effectively reach this generation of the gospel, or are there tried and true uh, methods that we can uh, depend upon? Uh, the answer to that question then poses in fact yes, from, from our perspective, that um, the yes Uh, We do need new strategies. We need to uh, release uh, the very best of our creative energy uh, for this purpose. There is not a more important purpose or or cause on the planet than the proclamation of the gospel. So, yes, we need new strategies. Every year, every decade, we need to be exploring uh, the very best of resources and creativity and planning to be able to invest that in this important work, in this vital work. Uh, However, uh, there are tried and true uh, fundamentals principles which will lead and guide us and should, should lead and guide our, our planning and our commitment to the new evangelization so we wanted just to brief, a brief look. we don't have long this afternoon by no means we'll be comprehensive but we just wanted to touch upon um, on that concept that you know, both are required new strategies and identifying depending upon those Methods. Um, I mentioned our context, our, our context is working with unchurched young people and again this may or may not apply to your circumstances uh, in terms of ministry or uh, working in the parish or a uni or in your workplace or, or whatever the context might be for you but our context is very much unchurched young people and the proclamation of the gospel, the presentation of the gospel uh, when it comes to unchurched young people has to involve uh, a level of engagement which has to bridge the disconnection that they've already uh, either experienced or even uh, committed to. So again, you, you, I'm sure you're probably quite familiar. In, in other parts of the world, I would imagine the stats are, are very, very similar. But for t- uh, Gen Y, for young people today, most young people are uh, would view with a, a percentage of about 2% practicing their faith in Catholic schools, not too many state schools, but in Catholic schools, 2 or less. Percent. Practising their faith, um, so you can imagine the sort of le- the level of disconnection that they will be uh, feeling in regard to to the church generally. So most young people uh, uh, indicate a level of uh, alienation when it comes to uh, the practice of faith. Uh, they would see God and the church as being, uh, for the most part, irrelevant to their day-to-day life. So um, by the time we work with with students in years 10, 11, and twelve, they've made uh, some significant choices. Uh, In regard to relationships, in regard to uh, you know other lifestyle choices, in terms of their sexuality or uh, in terms of uh, drug and alcohol uh, involvement. So there's been a range of decisions that they've begun to make, or at least a level of experimentation um, that they've that they've already you know initiated. Um, Sorry, just lost my train of thought. Young people disconnected. So, they need to be engaged first and foremost. Uh, and I guess a, a simple icebreaker that we use like that uh, has that as its, uh, initially, as its number one. Um, most young people that we work with will tend to be um, uh, of the impression that it's going to be, you know, any, any retreat or message is going to be uh, either confronting and uh, disrespectful uh, because it will be so overt, or it's going to be at best boring, uh, or at least, you know, really fairly. Irrelevant to the, the things that are important to them. So, there needs to be that level of engagement. So, we, we would use that as kind of that level of, a, of being on a, on a journey, on a trip. In regard to the, uh, the actual charade, the mime, um, we have the students involved in that particular uh, thing. We repeated a few times and have them involved. So, there's a range of, uh, of, of uh, outcomes which are really positive for the students. In terms of the storyline, I guess part of our premise for today is that Gen Y. Uh, there are some fairly clear, uh, clear and distinctive characteristics uh, which have been associated with Generation Y. Uh, anthropologists usually connect, uh, or, or coin, the class of young people as those born between 1982, 1980-82 through to about 2002, as being in that range of, uh, of Gen Y. So there are characteristics that that they identify as being more commonly associated with that, or with this. Generation, but just like the roller coaster, I don't know if it's anyone, I guess most of us would have experienced a roller coaster. Um, you've probably, if you've been, if you're inclined to go on a roller coaster, you've pro- probably been on a few. You've possibly been on a few in different cities, or maybe in different countries. Um, but wherever you travel, <coughs> over the world, our roller coasters are essentially, essentially the same. But the fundamentals of a roller coaster are basically it's gravity, uh, it's about speed, it's about uh, you know, turns and loops. It's about uh, uh, losing your stomach. It's about that that balance between you know excitement and sheer terror. It's playing all those. So the fundamentals are the same. And when it comes to reaching Generation Y with the gospel, uh, there are distinctive values and, and characteristics which we'll touch upon. But the fundamentals uh, are the same as for as for Gen X, the generation before, uh, as for the baby boomers before that, as for the I generation that they now coin the new generation beyond. O2 as generation I for information technology or internet uh, they that they're that that tech uh, sab- savvy that they I'm assessing that so uh, relative to whatever generation we identify it's the fundamentals are going to be the same uh, we have uh, a couple of things we'd like to cover but I'm just conscious of the time um, I just wanted to outline a fairly again just sort of ex- an expansion on um, that premise from the beginning and just maybe lead on to looking at some of the characteristics of Jim. Line. Um, I mentioned I've been involved with, uh, with, I've had really the total privilege of being involved in evangelisation uh, full-time now for 25 years, my 25th year and it's, um, honestly it's the greatest honour just to be connected and um, over those 25 years and the 27 years of, of the work of Youth Missington we've seen a dramatic shift in the culture within the Catholic Church in Australia. A dramatic shift, and um, it didn't begin about then. Uh, It began uh, in about the mid '60s with the Second Vatican Council, and globally. But it's also true in this country, or most especially true, I think, in this country. We've seen a profound renewal right across the planet in within the life of the church, and I'm sure we all sort of identify, relate to that. but we've had the great uh, honour of being uh, swept up (coughs) by the movement of grace which was initiated by the the Church Fathers by the Second Vatican Council and one of the most distinctive and profound things about that was this outpouring of grace of the Holy Spirit wasn't just upon uh, profoundly holy individuals who might have been living at different points in history and through those individuals, those saints or those monastic movements that there was a renewal and the church was brought back uh, on track, that <coughs> so this current outpouring of grace upon the church uh, is for the lay people. It is for the laity. And, uh, and the everyday young people, especially everyday old people too, but I guess our, our context, especially in young people, everyday young people are being touched by this grace. So we're living in an extraordinary time and a time of great privilege. The premise I just wanted to put to you is that we have never had it this good. And there are many people who don't believe in proclaiming the gospel because they don't know uh, the beauty of Christ. They don't know the experience of his love and mercy in their life. So that's entirely understandable. They just they haven't met him yet. So I can completely understand that they don't have an appreciation. But for anyone who has experienced the love of God in their life, it's like a no-brainer. It's what an extraordinary gift we have in, in, in Christ. And how can I not want to share that with the world, who was so broken? So the premise here is that we have never had it this good. Uh, we've never had it this good in terms of the generations that have gone before us to share and proclaim the gospel. So from a um, uh, a spiritual point of view, they aren't, scholars are saying well, they ident- identified that six hundred points of renewal over the last two thousand years. And, and people a lot holier and more um, uh, learned than I am are identifying this current time of grace for the church as being the most significant since Pentecost, which was obviously uh, probably a little hard to, to be Pentecost, but for the, the <laughs> church. And, um, OK, so we'll give Pentecost the top one. But this current outpouring of grace, it would seem, based on scholars' interpretation of, of history, this is the most significant outpouring. So from a spiritual point of view, um, uh, we have very few excuses as lay people. If there were renewals coming about in the monastic orders or from the Holy Father throughout or you know, maybe as lay people would kick back. And if the church was still where it was, you know, the liturgy of the Mass was celebrated in Latin and the priest faced the other way, during the liturgy of the Mass with his back, and we were more like spectators as it was prior to Vatican II, and I don't mean to put that crudely, you know, it, it was there it was, it was a beauty about that time as well, but if we were, as lay people, the other side of this time of grace, we could probably find some excuses about not really playing our part. But the fact that this current outline of grace is, is characterized by, by uh, enlivening the faith of, of, of lay people means we have every, every, we have no excuse and we have every reason to, uh, to hear the responsibility, to feel the responsibility on our shoulders in the most beautiful, wonderful way to play our part for this generation and for, for the world, for the world. So, so spiritually, we have no excuse. And the other, I guess, dimension to this, which is probably important to mention, is just from a... a in, in here in Australia, uh, we are the most blessed generation of Australians. Uh, probably, you when know, you look at the, the current financial circumstances uh, globally, um, we're probably... or well, we're certainly one of the, the strongest... Nations in the world economically, um, but everything that flows from that—the quality of life that we have in this country—is—is—is is, is possibly second to none. Um, like medically, if you get injured walking down the steps of St Mary's, you know I just—I you know, I won't go to my dramas, my injuries—but you can get injured in the most profound, ridiculous moment, profound part of Australia, and you can be guaranteed the highest quality medical care, you know, within hours. Um, Our our quality of life is extraordinary, not not everyone accesses that, I understand that. But in general terms, we have such an incredible quality of life in this country. We have technology, we have a medical system, we have a welfare system, we have support for employment, we have just so much. Our diet is so different to what it was 80 years ago. Our levels of employment, the quality of our homes, the quality of what we wear. The strength and quality of the vehicles that we drive. Look, like it's just we are we are so resourced up. So, look. Sorry to go on a little bit, but we we have. You know, I, look, I think of the you know the Christians in the third century who've been persecuted and executed for their faith. There is no. I've, I've worked for twenty five years proclaiming the gospel. There is no one batting on my door giving me a hard time. Nobody. No one gives me a hard time, and I I, I go out into the schools of the team and we run this thing we have so much freedom we have so much freedom to live our faith and to proclaim our faith it is and, and, and backed by that we have this grace so we've never had it this good, and we have a great responsibility to release all our creative energies to really really move with, with God's purpose in all this because obviously he's, he's set us up with this grace and this momentum and these resources for his purpose. So it's, um, it's a very exciting time. Very quickly, just in regard to, uh, to Gen Y. Um, so, it's uh, for those born 82 to the SM2, would that be most? Could you raise your hand for a Gen Y? Okay, so the bulk of us here. Right, so let me know if you think this sounds reasonable. <laughs> Consolations for those who are Gen X. I'm one of them, brother. We'll play long balls later. <laughs> <laughs> now, those leading the charge for identifying uh, the characteristics of the various generations, particularly Gen Y, uh, uh, it's not the government, it's not uh, the church, uh, it's not the parents' association. Can you think of a sector of, of the first in, in society? who would be interested in the characteristics of Generation, <coughs> current, gen, generation Y. What sector of society? Marketing. Um, marketing, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the world leaders in the research on this stuff are actually the advertising companies who are, have a vested interest to understand what makes Gen Y tick, uh, not so that they can serve them, but so they can exploit them safely. But they're leading the way. Just something you this sound really small. These are some positive qualities with regard to uh, Gen Y. Uh, Gen Ys are the most educated generation on the planet up until this point. No. Yeah, no. Okay, I'll come back to you. Um, Gen Ys challenge the status quo and ask why. Uh, Gen Ys are tech savvy. Uh, they're not slaves to the corporate world, so they don't um, they don't have a sense of loyalty to the company or to the business. Uh, they'll pick and choose a, a job and for as long as it, it suits them, they'll stay with it for as long as it seems to serve their needs and fulfil them. And then they'll, they'll, uh, they'll approach it more like a smorgasbord of employment opportunities rather than uh, a concept of locking into a company, you know, for life, which actually might be the, you know the next generation back. Uh, and they're, uh, they're connected faster and more broadly than any, any previous generation. So from a you know, social networking point of view or a technical point of view. That their Gen Ys are connected more than any previous generation. Uh, in the positive, so that was positive. Sorry, uh, anthropologists and others, social commentators would comment that current Gen Ys, and this is no, this isn't coming from a Gen Xer. Okay, this is from the others who would coin these things. Uh, this current Gen Y generation is considered to be more self-centered than previous generations. Uh, there are questions about the level of responsibility that Gen Ys. Uh, these are clearly generalizations. So you know, it's, it's about identifying cultural trends and characteristics. So I'm not, I'm not leveling the, the blame here. Uh, and a lack of understanding of how the, the work world functions. And I think that's probably picking up on the, the concept that they're are probably more ready and willing to pick and choose with work rather than having a sense of, um, of uh, long-term mm-hmm. loyalty and productivity. Guys, um, if we have time, we just have um, uh, obviously one of the driving forces behind um, uh, our culture and the, the, uh, the characteristics or the values that um, this generation would identify with. Um, the Mass <coughs> Media plays a tremendous part. Back 50, 60 years ago, uh, it was the church, uh, it, it was families, it was parents who were uh, those who were probably the most predominant influences in regard to young people adopting values in their life. And there has been a dramatic shift uh, in that over the last 30 years that no longer are parents, uh, is the church, the, uh, and it, certainly parents have it, obviously a, a, a tremendous bearing on the values of, of their family and their kids. But there has been a shift in, uh, in uh, those who speak into that <coughs> and mass, the mass media obviously uh, has a, a huge part to play in that. Uh, we were just interested um, uh, in one of the songs like there's Just so much, such a great uh, wealth of, of, of raw material we could, could have drawn from. Uh, Katy Perry. Many of you would be familiar with Katy Perry. Um, uh, is one of the uh, one of the most successful um, uh, music artists of the last five years. Um, I think she's had this song we're about to play for you. Uh, Debut in June last year, so it's only 12 months old. She's had four, four it might be five singles now, which have have uh, have sold uh, four million digital copies. So she's she's well and truly up. This, this particular song, uh, last Friday night, um, it's been uh, number one uh, in the U.S. Uh, number one in Canada. Number one in Slovakia, number one in the Czech Republic, and it's been on the top ten in Austria, Ireland, Italy, and Poland. So these are digital charts. So the reason why I mention that is not just we're not just talking about in the US, we're not just talking about in Australia or the UK, but the sort of influence that some of my Perry pop have uh, transcends cultures. Uh, so we're talking about it, you know, a, a reach into the lives of generation-wise, not just. <coughs> in those fields that we would perhaps think of naturally, but right across the planet. And we just wanted to... Uh, this is the last one. It's actually a great song. You know that you know, you'll know you have extra time in purgatory if you're saying to be enjoying the song. No. So it's actually a really cool song. was a really funky song. But the lyrics are what we just wanted to hone in on and sort of values that, that we feel sort of captures something of, of the current generation. So last Friday night we went uh, streaking in the park skinny dipping in the dark, then had a menage a twirl. So this is the message which our young people are going to sleep on. Our kids are going to bed at night, 10, 11, midnight, and, and they have Katy Perry in their iPods. These are the values that are being presented to them, but not just offered on a billboard or from someone here you know, on a homily. Something. This, is, this is the insidious nature of, of contemporary youth culture. They are going to sleep at night. They are get they, they, they're dancing to this in a club and getting getting plastered. And yet, what a great song! How can something so cool, so funk, and so catchy be selling such crap? Truth. I'm sorry, that's a crude term. But what what a, it's it's um we should be angry about this stuff. <coughs> we should be we should not self righteous, but we should be righteously angry about this stuff. That our children of 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 can be going to bed with these <laughs> lyrics, <They also laughs> really very quickly, beyond the, um, you know, the, the desire, you know, for something better for our young people, which should well up within us, because they so deserve something better than this. They so deserve. You deserve. Every one of you deserve better than this rubbish. And it's great music. But it's it's gala lyrics. I think look, just we've got a uh, just a, a drum that we'd like to present to you, just as we lead into that. Um, just an example when somebody we actually presented this at uh, World Youth Day in Sydney around a couple of years ago. Um, one of the things that we found, in, you know, work, especially working with Gen Y, is that uh, it's not that they are naturally hardened to the gospel. It's not that they're naturally believed. like if they well, they're very good at at, at analyzing this stuff. If we had a group of 15-year-olds here. They would probably do just as good a job as we have in, in uh, pulling this apart you know, uh, and really identifying what lays beneath. But it's the, it's the culture and it's the momentum that we have in this society as we roll forward. They're not naturally hardened to the Gospel, but they just don't have a credible reason to believe anything different. They have Cuddy Perry, they have, they have a, a world full of people giving witness, being role models, but to all the wrong stuff. So they don't lack role models, they just lack positive role models. And they don't like reasons, they just like credible reasons to believe in, in their own value and their own purpose. And uh, and one of the greatest uh, trial and true methods for reaching Gen Y is this concept of personal witness, that, that we would be living a lifestyle uh, with joy and strength and encouragement that speaks a, a counter-message <coughs> to this stuff, that um, whether whether in word or in action, that really uh, that counts that and gives a witness to the joy and the freedom uh, that we have in Christ. Can we just finish on my... Now, this is going to sound really... I've got three of my greatest top tips for evangelising Gen Y. This is after 25 years. But I've got a, It comes with a censorship warning because you're going to think, come on, Steve, is that all you've got after 25 years? Of course, it's incredibly simple. It's incredibly simple. But just based on what I've seen uh, in, in, in ministry with young people, Gen Y um, the three top tips that I've seen and I still to this day try and uh, keep in mind and, and, and work with uh, in working you know, in the area of ministry the first is to recognise and to never forget that this is God's work this is not your work and it's not my work it's not even the Cardinal's work it's not Bishop Portis' work this is God's work this is 100% a work of the Holy Spirit. The new evangelization, uh, conversion, people encountering the presence of Christ in their life, is not something that you or I do. We are simply the vessels, we are the instruments. And I know this is where I gave you the censorship warning. It's so simple, but it's so easy to forget. And yet it is so simple, so easy to forget. And if you forget it, uh, you can end up in great disaster. Um, either, either you won't be fruitful in ministry, or you'll be mentally, your mental health will be in, in great danger. If you think this is your work and you start investing <coughs> self in this, then you're going to get in God's way, and you're going to end up uh, not in a happy headspace at the end of a few years of that kind of ministry. This is God's work. You know when John the Baptist talked about, I must. So John the Baptist sort of went ahead of, went ahead of Jesus and baptizing uh, in the Jordan he was a precursor to the Messiah coming and at some point he says in the scripture in, in the gospel uh, I must decrease that only he might increase that John who had a profile he had followers he was a bit of a champion but he, he, he understood he needed, to ta- he needed to decrease that the Messiah, that Jesus could take, take centre stage for, God, you know, for the Father's purpose to be achieved and that, that has to happen in all of us this isn't about us. It's not about us proclaiming ourselves, or our great drums, or ministries, or strategies, or or a great youth group. This is about God's work. And uh, if you can if you can hang on to that, um, I, I just know the freedom that's flowed in my life um, when I've when I've stayed close to that truth. That it's God's work. It's not just about avoiding arrogance and pride. It's about keeping your heart safe when you sleep at night because you don't go to bed carrying the burdens of the ministry that didn't go, go go according to plan, knowing that it was God's work. So it's God's work, don't forget, uh, be yourself. Be yourself. Be you. Be who you've been created to be. And God will shine through who you are. If you drop the facade on, if you resort back to your old image of who you used to be when you were hanging with the lads and or chicks, or I don't know how girls talk about it, but you know, <laughs> just, it, it's you. Be yourself. Be free to be you, because that is God's greatest weapon. Be yourself, and again, it just keeps your heart protected. Keeps you free. Keeps you free. So it's God's work. Don't forget. Be yourself, and just speak the truth. Just tell it as it is. Don't inflate it. Don't exaggerate it. Uh, but don't undersell it. Gosh. If Jesus has changed your life, then let that know. Let, let that be known. If He is the Lord of your life, if His joy and His peace and His love is better than anything else you've encountered, then let people know that. Don't, don't not let that be known. So, what was the first. It's got to work. Don't forget. Decrease that He might increase. Pray that they forget you. If only they might remember Jesus in you. So it's got to work. Be yourself, Taste my and be yourself. You take more fun than yourself, and today you, you.